Welcome to Stepside, a podcast about trucks. I'm Matt Howie, internet nerd who's been obsessed with trucks his whole life. And with uh, me, as always. <laughs> I'm Joel Johnson. I am a guy who has owned and operated consumer trucks. Yay. That's my, yeah, it's my deep resume. That's why you can trust the Stepside podcast, because we have owned trucks, trucks. like anyone else. Uh <laughs> It is uh, Thursday, March the 3rd, 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt, there's been some truck news this week. Big things happening in the land of... I mean, when is there not truck news? But yeah. let's pretend this is an especially exciting week. I thought I thought uh, at first when you were talking about the idea of this podcast, it would be hard to like uh, make myself maintain truck news knowledge. And it just comes to you. Like Every week I've got 15 things I see about trucks. They haul so. it in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, trucks are the most popular uh, category of vehicle, at least by the number one selling and mm -hmm. also where all of the interesting stuff in cars is happening right now because all the car makers think that everybody just wants trucks. So I think America. we're geniuses is my point. <laughs> like we're ahead of we're ahead of the curve. It's time the mass media ignored the truck loving public and we're here to serve that audience. So first up uh Jeep finally announced this week. I saw a story on TheVerge.com. Their first electric SUV is coming in 2023. I don't know if you have seen uh, Stellantis, the mother company of Jeep and Alfa Romeo and all those. The, the former, formerly known as FCA, Fiat, mm -hmm. Chrysler, Alfa. Uh, they did a thing a, a, about six months ago where they did electric taglines for all their brands. And... Uh, I don't even know if they meant to put it out to the public. To be honest, it really seemed like something that it kind of leaked. But all of the all of the all of the brands for all of their new electric vehicles were all just basically testosterone and murder. It was like <laughs> Jeep, like we will electrocute the future, and like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through a light, healthy, you know, BDSM relationship with uh, with Alfa Romeo's electric new trucks. Like it's all over the place, but. So this week it's uh, this week it's Jeep, and I gotta say they put out a couple of pictures, a nice uh, yellow color. <laughs> it looks a lot like what is that? A compass like a, or something? Yeah, it looks like a compass. It looks like a Grand Cherokee. It's kind of yeah. that language. It's I'm weird. Not... It's two door, like as a launch, but well, you know what I've noticed they do a lot now. Uh, Toyota just did this with their EV. I don't remember what the, 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 the yeah, they're off road, yeah. they're off road, like prototype, uh, thing. When you it's looked like at it, yeah, yeah, it's like a RAV4 meets an FJ Cruiser sort of design. Yeah. And it was shown as a two door, but or it was shown as a four door, rather. But if you like zoomed into the picture, you could see that what would have been the rear doors are like a foot hey. long. <laughs> and like, no, I mean, it's like it literally doesn't actually fit into <clears throat> when you're trying to broadcast an outdoor image there's still like the jeep wrangler is still you know the the example par excellence of what a four by four looks like and so you sell the a lot of these designs i feel like end up looking better in two doors and yeah, then yeah. they the but what sells is actually four doors uh i will the the best example of that or the most immediate example right now <laughs> is the ford bronco, bronco yeah. which you know, in the two door, I think is a very attractive little truck. It's beautiful. Uh, and, yeah. And then you see the four doors on the road. I'm starting to see a few uh, driving around and they're huge. They're real yeah. big trucks. 
Yeah, they're kinda, uh, they kind of went nuts on that approach and departure angle and shortened up the overhangs so much. They look weird. But, I mean, I've heard like 90% are going to be four doors, you know, sold. Honestly, it's the like uh, designers who went to Art Center, College of Design, like the automotive degree program who make really cool concepts that look cool. So, of course, they're going to pick a two-door. Uh, but what actually sells is four doors. So, yeah, yeah I saw that sharp, picture. This new Jeep, Jeep EV, like... Uh, it's you not know, very EVE. Like it looks like a gas version converted because it's got such a hood and it doesn't need necessarily that much hood. A point yeah. in the industry and in the EV switchover where we're trying to figure out if people want stuff that looks like the future <clears throat> or if people want stuff that looks like today. And so yeah. I think some companies are going to try to go way out there uh, with, you know, like the Ionic 5 and, you know, crazy new designs. And and obviously EVs, a lot of them are wind tunnel tested to be more slippery in the air so they get better efficiency and that, and that kind of, you know, gives you the lozenge shape. And then I think there's some companies that are like, no, we're going to make a square. We're going to put a cinder block on four wheels and <laughs> it's going to be electric, but it's going to look badass. And, yeah. uh, and if Jeep goes that direction, I think that's fine. Like Ford and Chevy, you know, I think the Ford has to be exactly the same body panels because we can't make new body panels. We can't, you know, there's so many zillions of accessories. Might as well make it exactly a Ford F-150. On uh, the Lightning, you mean? Yeah, but you yeah. could have done anything here. And it's like, eh, it's okay. It looks like one of their existing designs. I mean, I, it's fine. I don't tend to look at Jeep as a leader. Uh, <laughs> design in, leader. In design and styling. Yeah, that new Grand Wagoneer is a oh, real yeah. interesting collection of shapes that <laughs> are definitely large uh yeah. and, but like i don't you know doesn't really i got the paul over one this week at the portland auto show last weekend and it was it's suburban it is you know Big. whatever the xl suburban model with the square rear doors is like it is the massive fbi suburban sized and then uh and i was laughing because they had two, and one was like eighty grand, and one was like one hundred and ten with every option possible. Uh, and the high end one had a gun safe in the center console for your American <laughs> sure. driving needs. Uh, uh, and then the yeah. cheap one was like missing a lot of stuff, and it wasn't that nice. And I was like, "This is still like eighty grand! Holy shit!" Yeah, the packaging stuff on a lot of uh, American companies have finally really embraced the European style. Like the the entry level stuff is super stripped out, and yeah. the, the the top end, if you want all the fa uh, the special features, you're going to pay a lot of times twice as much almost, yeah. uh, which is is wild. It's it's really I think at this point just the Japanese and Korean automakers that are still putting you know the lower trim has a lot of yeah stuff. good deals. Uh, what uh, what else we got in truck news? Uh, well, uh, uh, there was, there, there's literally like, this is like, let's have a podcast where we talk about a rumor that I read on some website, but in all of this Stellantis news that came out when they were talking about the GPV, they also sort of mentioned and some executives intimated that they're about to think about it, uh, that, that Dodge may bring back, uh, the Dakota, which huh. the, the Dakota is their oh, was a mid-size. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, I, maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean, nobody really huh. knows, but they, the one thing that was effectively said is an executive said, it's not going to be built on the, the Ram full size chassis. Yeah. Uh, Cause I get, yeah, it's not Dodge anymore. It'll be a Ram Dakota since Dodge is, or Ram is its oh, own right. brand. Right. Um, I don't have feelings about Dakotas. Like I, I've never been 
you know, the, the very first when the when the Dodge 1500 got redesigned in the in the 90s to look kind of like a, a semi with the four, uh, you know, the rounded uh, hood. It was kind of like a little bit of retro throwback. That was certainly like that. That is a truck design that stuck in my mind as a 12 year old or whatever I was <laughs> as like, oh, trucks are cool. Like, that's a neat thing. And I would you know point them out on the road and be really excited about it. By the time the Dakota came out, the Dakota was just a shrunk down version of that. And I, I don't know. I don't I don't know a lot of people really. Well, here's what's happened. All those midsize trucks were just fleet trucks or trucks for people that couldn't afford a full size truck. And then, you know, maybe didn't need it, of course, but they were never like a premium sales leader versus a full size. And then you had the Tacoma. And when the Tacoma 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that combined with like the famous Top Gear episode about them dropping a Hilux off a building and setting it on fire. All of a sudden, Toyotas and Tacomas in particular became like the roughest truck, the best off-road truck, the most durable, the most, you know, everything. That was the thing to get. And so Tacoma was basically the only mid-sized truck still being sold. The Ranger had been taken off the market. The Colorado had been taken off the market by Chevy. And it caught a bunch of automakers flat-footed. So now you've got Colorado is back. Ranger is finally starting to come back. It makes perfect sense that they're going to want, especially if a full kitted out Dodge or Ram 1500 is, you know, 60, 70 grand just to get in the door. It's nice to have something in the $40,000, $50,000 range. So yeah. it could be cool. It could be cool. I, I will give I will give Ram this. Like uh, the Ram interiors right now among the full size is they're the like maybe they don't hold up the best. Maybe they're not the best in real life, but going to an auto show, going around and poking at something like the interiors on those are great. So if they do yeah. maybe an upscale midsize with the Dakota where it's still <clears throat> big screens and leather and all of that stuff, maybe that, that could be, be cool. Yeah. I remember the 90s slab sidey Dakotas is not being super reliable. And I remember they really early on had a convertible for some reason. Like I just remember that like close oh, to launch. Yes. A convertible Dakota, uh, like a California edition. It was super weird with a soft top that leaked. And then I think the only thing I've seen cool ever about Dakotas was like Hoovy's Garage selling a, you know, 7,000 mile, what, like the super fast version from the late 90s. It looked amazing. Like I forgot they made it when I saw it. Um, yeah, I'm it just like pulling a, this up here. There's an 89 to 91 Dodge <laughs> made it. A Dakota Sport convertible. It's such uh, a bad idea. It's pretty sweet. I mean, the, the, it's got your leaks. That... You got your flexi frame. You got everything you need in the truck. I mean, I'm sure that thing was creaking off the showroom floor. Like, there's yeah. no way that that was safe or put together properly. But it looks extremely fun. Uh I, but, this is so I I really love convertible trucks and there's obviously not a ton of them but like there's basically no convertible truck if somebody came to me and said would you buy that I'm like, yeah of course like that looks <laughs> like that rules yeah I mean full size trucks are now starting at like fifty grand for decently equipped ones you got to have a lower price point come on so yeah that makes sense no it makes I mean, sense we'll see where they go yeah uh, okay also this is this was so funny because I I was collecting a bunch of stuff to say like, all right, what happened this week? What are we doing? And I stumbled across that the American trucker convoy, which I didn't even hear anything hiding her hair 
for yeah. like the last week because Russia. there's a, a bit of a war happening. Yeah. And uh, turns out the trucker convoys are actually kind of picking up steam. Like they're oh, kind of jeez. Uh, the thing is, and I don't don't get me wrong, I'm happy about this, but they're apparently being very civil and polite. Uh, I read a, a quote from a, a woman in an article that said, "We don't expect any traffic blockage or or major traffic delays," uh, which you know, cool. I, I I appreciate that, but also like, then what are you? doing do like, we how, drive yeah, around honking uh but apparently yeah there's a couple of them some of them have dissolved uh petered petered out uh but some of them are still kind of cooking and so uh, i saw one that said there was about a thousand trucks so i guess they're just gonna drive to dc and then something maybe when i see photos i see trailers and i'm like who owns those trailers and how are they out of commission how's this person losing money on this trailer like what is happening that's pretty weird like i can see yeah. bringing the tractor part yeah that's fine you know maybe they're owner operators but when you have giant trailer i just don't like somebody else owns that that's weird yeah uh i mean all the trailers are close to disposable from what i understand yeah, so that's true. yeah they probably were just like well, this will block more traffic. Like <laughs> this, I can paint bigger, bigger signs on this. But you oh, know the, what I find to be really funny about it, though, is because I was like, well, I, I, and I had presumed, and I presumed correctly that they were convoying because of COVID mask updates and uh, government overreach and you know all of that stuff. And uh, yes, turns out that is why they are doing it. And but in the last week or two. Those are all going the, away. Yeah, all the news I've yeah. seen is basically all of the the governors of the states and stuff being basically like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Schools, no mask, whatever. So Americans yeah, my... should have gotten on top of it a little faster if they wanted to have a big, <laughs> yeah, big political truck convoy. My uh, brother-in-law is visiting from out of state and he was cruising through Portland. He said there was this like sad bunch of truckers in downtown Portland, apparently trying to get something started. And I was like, boy, they must be really mad that like, you know, their news, the news cycle is not holding them up. You know, the news cycle is why nobody's paying attention to them because there's more <clears throat> pressing matters. But yeah, as mandates go away, uh, you know what? You, I, I drive. I salute their commitment to tilting at windmills. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess if you've already taken the time off, uh, turned down enough jobs, like I'm sure I, I love a road trip. I, I salute anybody. <laughs> seeing this great country of ours so i hope they're having a great time but uh, uh yeah yeah I, I i was i was shocked when i when i saw that hat. i was like oh they're still doing that like that's a huh. thing that they feel good about so yeah uh you know <clears> wave, <throat> wave to your lo local convoy unless they have swastika flags and then you can safely uh ignore them one. uh do we have any rivian news this week because it seems well like i was gonna save them. i was gonna save that for last but let's uh let's yeah yeah why don't you so, tell why don't you tell people what Rivian, the the big uh, pile of shit that Rivian. <laughs> I think I woke up Tuesday morning to two texts from friends going, "Hey, is this happening to you?" And then it was links to various news sites saying <clears throat> Rivian's gonna uh, up their prices, which is fine. <clears throat> Honestly, when the reviews of the truck started coming out, I was like, "Jesus Christ, that's a lot of truck for seventy five grand!" Like. You know, people are saying this is the best truck they've ever driven, the greatest interior, like it actually has four motors is like real off-road chops. And I've seen some demos of like fully lockered out, 
forerunners struggling up a hill where someone from Rivian's just like, you know, just, just pressing the gas and it does it. Um, like really difficult stuff. So I was like, man, 75 grand. Yeah. You know, and they locked in those prices three years ago. And so I'm sure everything costs more, but like, how do you raise prices? You do it like Tesla, like whatever, starting next month, they're going to be more expensive for all new orders, but (laughs) they hilariously retroactively added 12 to 15 grand to everyone's pre-order. And they sent me an email going, sorry, we have to do this. Um, if you want to keep the same price, you can wait two more years till 2024 when we come out with a two motor model instead of the four motors or two a smaller years. Ba- yeah, I said 2024. We're going to start making a smaller battery pack and we're going to put less motors on it. And if you want the same price, you can chill out and hang out for two more years. And it's already been two years for me. And I remember I was like, they literally sent me the build sheet. They said, please log in to see what changes. So you log in, they show you my, they show me my build sheet and all they changed. I, I, picked out an SUV, 75 grand and like 10 grand of options. And it was, um, it just said first edition 90 K and then 10 grand of options. And your total was like 99 grand instead of like 84 or something uh, that I was looking to pay this summer when it's supposed to be built. And I, and I was like, this is insane. <laughs> like I've never heard of retroactive screen over pre-orders that have been waiting for years. Yeah. But I, I understand just... the price should be different. Like it's, we're in a different world. It's been years, but I don't know. Retroactive I was astounded, pricing. you know. So I first saw the news. Uh, it was and it, it was attached to some other piece of news. I don't remember what it was, but it, it was like, oh, and by the way, we're raising the price. And and I had the first <laughs> yeah. thought that you uh, did, which was like, you know, you probably should. These things maybe, yeah. you know, especially with the price increases that have happened through the pandemic and you know supply chain, yada yada. Like, okay, of course you're gonna you're gonna raise the price. And then when I saw that it was for anything that hasn't been delivered yet, I was uh, astounded. Like, (laughs) because, uh, you know, people will wait for a while. And Rivian, I would say, arguably, if you're going to get an EV truck, even though the Lightning is just about ready to start delivering first orders to people, I think it's fair to say that Rivian is probably the best EV truck in the near, you know, availability, ignoring things that have been announced, but are a couple of years out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Hummer looks cool, but it's a stunt vehicle. Yeah. And, you know, the Lightning will be cool, but it's a F-150 and it's, you know, relatively big. And and yeah. so, you know, the Rivian, Rivian totally makes sense, but it's like, oh, that's just, what not that just going to get people to cancel their pre-orders? Yeah. Which apparently it did because yes. today... Yeah, uh, this morning I got another email from the yes. RJ, the CEO, going, "Boy, we really <laughs> underestimated the backlash." The funny part was in the original email of like, "Hey, the prices are going up." It would say like, "Hey, if you want to talk to us, click here," and it just went to their contact page, and there was no options except send them an email or start a chat or something. And I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to yell at some customer support agent. Like, like, man, I my assumption is. Um, I was 50-50 on canceling. I was like talking to my wife going, dude, it's been over two years. Like, should I just cancel? Like, that was a lot of money. It was this like special gift to myself. I've been waiting years for it. And I was like, I would be fine without it. You know, Uh, I was 50-50 on canceling and thinking about it this week. And then seeing them, I would assume a lot of being an expensive car, a lot of lawyers bought it. I was assuming there's probably forums where these lawyer owners, pre-order holders probably were talking about class actions, you know? about like you can't change the like 
a Kickstarter game has never, you know, added 20 bucks before it ever hit the streets. Like it's, it's super weird for, and if you're comparing this to Kickstarter as a good example, you know, you're in rough shape. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you can do a class action for almost anything. So I think that's yeah. entirely possible, but I, I bet you it wasn't even that. Uh, I think they just were dumb. You know, yeah. I think they just didn't think through, you know, there's something that happens. Uh, wow. You know, the stock is down to 50 bucks a share. <laughs> Well, sure. seven day. All the, EV, five day. all the EV stocks are are uh, cratering is maybe unfair, but it was way in the sixties until Tuesday when they probably sent that email. But and I, they... I mean, I think it's just one of those things that you know it, it, you get in these big companies and there's a there's a CFO or you know somebody's like looking at the margins of stuff and saying, hey, we got to start charging more. Yeah. And they ran the numbers to say, well, we've got this many pre-orders and this many people will probably bail. And <laughs> and they never stopped to go, why are we doing it this way? Because all they yeah. had all they had to do is say, uh, I mean, they, they could even met it in the middle to say, like, if it delivers this year, we'll honor the price. But if it's going to extend into next year, like this is when the prices are going up for everybody. Give people a little bit of margin. But they just yeah, they clearly they. uh they they made a mess of their own. And I gotta say, like, I'm cheering for Rivian. It's a new company, American made, uh, mostly American-based manufacturing, to my knowledge. Uh, I've I've never driven one yet. I've like poked around in one. Seems great. And and it is on my list. Like, I'm I'm in the market for another truck, but it that little back and forth. <laughs> Basically yeah. took it out of the running for me where I was yeah. like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else. So, yeah. And, and this happened a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, technically, uh, although we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, but the truck I thought I might buy, I was mostly right, which is, this is the big announcement. Everybody get really stoked. I know our fans have been losing their minds <laughs> waiting to see what I'm going to decide. Uh, I was going to buy a, a Ranger plug-in electric hybrid. That oh, are they going to make that? That was it, They haven't announced it. It's yeah. not clear that they're going to. They almost legally have to in <laughs> yeah. in Europe. I'm, I'm not it's not a joke. Like yeah, yeah. like like they the EU is requiring a ton of uh plug-in electric hybrids from companies now. Um but then they announced the Ranger Raptor which won't be available here until next year. I think it's going to release in like April or May of next year. Oh, ouch. Uh, it's a few, uh, I think about 7,500 units are going to be released in Australia this year. Cause even though the trucks made in, I believe it's made in South Africa. I know they made some in Thailand, but I think the Ranger Raptors are made in South Africa. It's basically an Australian truck, right? Like the, hmm. it's, a, it's a global truck. The community yeah. for them has always been in Australia. It's sort of built to Australian off-road specs, whatever that, whatever that means. And I immediately was like, all right, forget plug-in hybrid. I'm buying a Raptor. <laughs> so uh, they, I, uh, I follow a British YouTuber mountain biker and he has something. It's like a Ranger tremor over there, but it's like really built up. It has Fox it's probably a, a wild track, which is something a trim. Like, yeah. There's a wild track uh, TRAK. <laughs> That is that available is in America or is that never? Like it, was ne okay. it has not been available. So the thing it, looks, with it looks like a Ranger Raptor. So I'm like, oh, obviously it, they can just perk up the engine and put a better suspension on it. I mean, you know, I think realistically the difference between what the Ranger Raptor will be versus what the previous gen 
uh, wild track will be in the grand scheme of things is probably not super different. Yeah. But, okay. uh, you know, I, the, the goal for me, as you know, like I'm not a big hardcore off-roader and I'm not, I don't beat my trucks up. I really mostly use them as a fancy camper and I do a ton of miles, right? Like I do mm-hmm. cross country trips. I put, you know, I burn thousands of dollars in gas a year on these trips. And I was like, that's why I should just do a plug-in hybrid. It'll get great gas mileage. It totally makes sense. And then I just, I saw the Ranger Raptor and I was like, that's going to be 50 grand, 55 grand. All it needs is like a camper shell on it. And I don't even need to touch the suspension. And it's, and I was just like, no, that's it. So I got to clear a couple things out of the stable this year and get myself financially prepped for it. But uh, the Rivian's off the list. That was the only thing that I was maybe thinking about going with. And it wasn't real likely anyway, because distance plus EV is still pretty janky right now yeah so uh yeah everybody can stop emailing me you can stop hitting me up on the sidestep social that we haven't set up yet uh the official plan right now is to buy a ranger raptor uh as soon as they pre-order it they'll they'll get my money and uh and that'll hopefully be my rig and hopefully they won't change the price on it Wow, well, that, look, that looks pretty big. I mean, oh man, I saw I saw some Rangers at the auto show, and I still remember the first whatever two years ago when they first brought one, and I was just like, "This is so much bigger than I thought it'd be." Like, it just felt like it was too close. Even though I know F one fifty people are like, "Oh, dude, it's tiny. It's a toy." <laughs> it's just like still has like a five foot tall, you know, hood and stuff. It's huge. Well, it's- you know, it's funny you say that because I feel like Ford might make a smaller truck. For people that don't want a body on frame solution uh, that's based on a a car chassis and a unibody uh, situation. And it would be interesting if I knew somebody who had had purchased one of those recently. Uh, Yeah. So I got my uh, big news is Ford Maverick. My I ordered it in August, um, showed up on the dealer lot Monday. Uh, I got Tuesday morning. So I guess I've had 48 hours with it. And I put uh, two or three hundred miles on it. I'm trying to burn through the first thousand before I floor it. Um, uh, well, run people through the spec. Tell people. Sure. Yeah. I I I wanted most of the nice stuff. So I I, I had a Ridgeline Black Edition, all the options. It was like forty two thousand dollar truck from 2017 that I actually pre ordered when they announced that those were coming out. So I got mm-hmm. it in summer of 2016. Um, so I'm going from like a $40,000 truck to like a $25,000 truck. Um, even though this one was like 30 with all the options. Um, but I wanted, I didn't want the nicest ones. I didn't want leather seats and all the, and the price range is crazy. It starts at, you know, 20 grand. And it, I think the highest end Lariat one's like 35 or six. If you do everything possible. Yeah. It's knocking on 40. It's almost twice as much. It's almost twice as much. And it reminds me of like, um, you know, going to auto shows and seeing uh, Range Rovers, like where you see the base price is 35 and the one on, on the floor as you're touching it is 85. And you're like, how is that possible? And they just have this, you know, mile long option list. So like, so after two days, I'm like, okay, it's a cheap truck. It's nice. It's small. I like it small. I mean, I loved, I loved my eighties Toyota pickups. Um, it feels more car like, like I'm probably, my seat feels like it's about two inches lower than I would expect it would be in an SUV. Like it feels a little more car like I'm getting 25 miles a gallon on the first 300 miles, which is wow. fantastic. And, and I don't and have not the, the hybrid. hybrid, right? Yeah, yeah. I had to, I wanted, so what I wanted was like cloth seats, but all the options I could get and I want to tow occasionally. We have a big trailer for a UTV and yard waste and stuff. 
So I was like, I got to get the all-wheel drive to get the tow package. And then I got the FX off-road package with the off all-wheel drives that kind of live in the sticks. And so, and I remember I bought, uh, like what I've learned is like, wow, Ford is really chintzy with the like options and the, like I'm reading the book and there's just like, I mean, there's 360 cameras, I think on just the upper crust, most highest end one mm-hmm. with, you know, options on top of the highest end one. But like I paid, I got Ford's 360 safety package and it was probably 1500 bucks and it was like blind spot mirrors and like all this and um, it's not lane keep assist, but it uh, rumbles the steering wheel when you cross a line, but it doesn't steer you back. And I can't remember what the other one was, but I was on the freeway testing it out and I'm like testing out uh, cruise control and I'm like, hey, why am I coming up on this guy's, this truck's bumper in front of me? <laughs> it doesn't have radar cruise for like, I paid 1500 bucks for safety features. And like radar cruise is only on the upper, like the Lariat uh, models. And I was like, come on, that's like 20 bucks in electronics at this point. Um, so yeah, there's just like a bunch of stuff. Like you don't get a wireless charger in the center console unless you're at like the 30 something thousand level, like Lariats and stuff. And it, it just reminds me of um, like the Ford Bronco, right? Everyone talks about how rad like the cheap one is. The one with the Steelys looks cool and the Maverick with steel wheels looks cool. And they're only 20 grand. And I think the cheapest Bronco is 28 grand. But, uh, you know, I sat up the other night going, what would a perfect two-door Bronco cost me if I want? Because there's so many options. They're only at certain tiers. You know, if you want, like, the clicky pre-wired switches in the roof, that's, like, only in the, like, biggest off-road package. And so I, like, specced out a two-door and it was 72 grand. And I was like, (laughs) how did I go from 28 to 72? And it's because if you want a 360 camera, then you have to have this trim with this technology package. And they have way too many. I mean, I, I've, this is the first American car I've ever purchased. Whoa. I think ever in my life. Uh, the first one I definitely pre-ordered. Well, you do live in Oregon. So it's, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> so, kind but, of illegal not to own a Subaru. So you're already <laughs> far I'm from already the tree. Get the authorities after me. The uh, Asian car companies, you know, they have pretty good options at pretty good price points. And you want to limit your, I like the Honda, like there's an EX and LX and an SI and that's it. You know, like there's hardly any options with a lot of um, like, you it's know, getting affordable a little, cars. It's getting a little nuts. I, yeah. uh, so it's funny that you're bitching about the adaptive cruise control because to me, uh, out of everything that is in modern cars, adaptive cruise control to me is like, I, I won't buy another car without it. I yeah. just won't. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Right. I've had and, it in everything I've driven the last 10 years. And so, uh, I like, I had this old Volvo. That was the first thing with, you know, it's 2008. There was no radar cruise control back then. I'm like, this is hilarious when you drive it, that you have to pay attention to what number you're on. In the no, cruise. I had this. So I had, I took a Tahoe out of the the local press fleet up here because uh, I was doing for my work I, I do some stuff and I used to work with Chevy so I'm still friendly with them although this isn't an ad I don't work for Chevy it's not a review either um, and it had distance warning right of like mm-hmm. hey you know when do you want us to throw a alarm when you're close you know a braking alarm and uh, and I'm like oh well that must mean it has adaptive cruise and it's like nope like still just regular cruise control. I'm like, so you have the radar even like you're, you're seeing how far cars ahead are and you'll alert me, but I got to pay more to get like the adaptive. Uh, yeah. Actually uh, yesterday on a long drive, I was like zoning out for half a second and I got the warning for the first time in this truck that like person in front of you is stopping suddenly and it was beep, 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 beep. And it was 
it was like spot on. It was earlier than my Honda would have done it. And I was like, holy shit, that was, that was like helpful. Like I yeah. was just zoning out for a split second and like, and the person in front of me was like making a left or something and locked it, it up. And it's uh so I have two cars now. I've got a, a Volvo V90 cross country. Love it. Fantastic. One of the best cars I've ever had. I mean, it has its problems. It's, I can tell it's going to start falling apart when I put more miles on it, but uh, but it's got every option that you could have, right? Like completely, completely uh, every option box ticked. And that thing will keep you in the lane, recenter you in the lane, you know, with the wheel. Yeah. Uh, it has like, it's basically just adapter cruise control, but it has, you know, like a, a slightly autonomous or whatever you would call it, like driver assist, you know, thing. And it's also a big floaty station wagon. Mm-hmm. And then my other car is sports car. A manual transmission, no assistance, no adaptive suspension. I mean, it's just a sports car, right? And I really genuinely have problems now when I switch from one car to the other. And it takes me about 10 minutes to remember how to how to turn the wheel. Because <laughs> in the Volvo, I basically can just sort of generally, you know, give it enough signals to intuit the direction I want to go and it handles everything else. And then in my 911, it like wants to go, like it'll go exactly where I tell it to go. But if I tell it to go five degrees off center, like that's where it's going to go. And I've definitely had a few times as I'm like taking off in the 911 to go like, you know, put around uh, where I almost go off road or I go out of my lane and almost wreck because yeah. I, I'm just, I like, I'm not in that headspace of like, oh, right, I'm driving now. Like, it's all, this is all me. I, uh, I, uh, I, will... I, I had the same experience with uh, my Honda truck had like, active lane keep assist. Uh, and once in a while, my wife would borrow my truck and turn it off because she's just annoyed oh. her. And I would be driving it, you know, into town. And there's some long sweeping curves where I'm like driving with one finger going, hey, why am I like starting to hit the curb? Like, what the? Because I'm getting like, uh, I've heard autopilot is so good on planes, you know, like young pilots are not that good in emergency situations because everything is autopiloted out. So I was like, God, it's happening to me with like driver, self-driving cars, you know, the small level one self-driving we have now. It's like, it's a thing. Like you really do drop your guard uh, with all of that stuff. And as long as it works, I guess it's not that big a deal, but uh, yeah, it's, it's. Yeah. The other thing I took a road trip, to california a couple months ago and i drove something like 15 or 17 hours non-stop and, uh, and like friends are all like losing their shit and i was like yeah like everything is auto driving i'm like i have one finger on the wheel and i'm going through a backlog of podcasts like i could have gone yeah. all day i just stopped because it was 10 p.m and you know i need to be somewhere in the morning so i got some sleep but i really don't need a truck like to be honest like the main reason i'm getting another truck is because i want to put a nice camper on it because i like the the big sleeping pop-up camper situations. Mm-hmm. But that V90 is the best road trip car I've ever had. And it's, it's for that same reason. It's like, I don't really have to pay that much attention once I'm on the freeway. <laughs> yeah. And like, I can just kind of set it there and keep a hand on the wheel. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I pay attention. I'm not like messing yeah. around with my phone or anything. I'm not yeah. being a jerk. Yeah. But, uh, but then if I take, you know, a big truck or if I take a sports car on that same thing, you know, after four hours, I'm whooped. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. Uh, but, you know, also, I don't know. I feel like in a Maverick on something that's at the bottom tier of what somebody's offering, they're trying to get in at a certain price point. 
Like I can kind of make some excuses for that for, for basically everything, but adaptive cruise control to me, <laughs> that should just be a standard feature in cars. Now it's <laughs> insane that it, I mean, cause it's like, okay, sorry if I'm going to rant here. Oh, if we had sound effect board, this would be like Joel's rant. Sign, like big <laughs> Joel rant. Yeah, here it goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's but like, it's like, all right, cruise control. When did, when did that get invented? The 60s? 80s? Something like that? Well, like, yeah. When was it everywhere? I feel yeah, like I mean, the I 80s. think 80s probably, yeah, wide adoption or whatever. And you know what? For the 80s, it was great. You can yeah. set a speed and it's going to keep you there. But if you can do adaptive cruise control, which is going to prevent all of the the bad situations that cruise control vanilla cruise control creates which is that you're not paying attention and all of a sudden you're like coming up on a, a car too fast or whatever like it's a safety feature to me yeah. and that's that's really what it all boils down to to me is like i'll pay for leather i'll pay for better stereo i'll pay for cameras even like uh, in most situations but if it's a safety feature it should just be built in. Like, yeah. I, I just, I think it's insane when car companies are like, oh, pay more for safety. And it's like, and <laughs> like, these things are already very unsafe. Like, and if we, can, yeah. if you can technologically do it. Cause it's like, I added a million things. I went from, you know, I have an XLT. So it's like the middle range model. It was like 32 grand. So it went from like 25 up to 32. I thought I bought the highest end ones for the biggest screen and all that stuff. And one of, what would you call the uh, keyless entry? <laughs> Like, oh, I'm yeah. like, huh, does this work or not? It doesn't. Like, the door handles are not, they don't have, like, touch-sensitive uh, pads on them. And I'm like, oh, my God. There's no, there's no like, you know, easy in and out. Um, the funny part is uh, you have to stick a key, an old-school key, into a tumbler and turn it, except only on the highest end, like, Lariat one has a push button. And it's like, why did you make two dash layouts, like, for one car? Like, just pick one and stick with it. The spread I, of features is weird and the way they priced it is weird and they have really wide pricing. And um, I will call this yeah. foreshadowing depending on how brave you get, but there is a burgeoning community online <laughs> that are unlocking features yeah. in cars with CAN bus and yeah. uh, OBD2 hacks. And I would not be surprised if you've got the cameras and you've got a bunch of stuff that adaptive cruise control <laughs> that is something a, that you could yeah. unlock. Uh, and was, of course it would void your warranty. Yeah. And you know, all that I stuff. I was thinking but. the first like weird hack I would download from a forum would be um, there's a, there's like a bunch of buttons in the center console that do kind of preferences stuff. And the ones that remember your setting between car starts is super just all over the map. So like, uh, you know, there's an auto parking brake when you come to a stop. That auto parking brake thing is great. In like a drive-through, you can kind of rest your foot or in, or in traffic. Um, then you punch the gas to release the brake, right? That, it, like, I seemed, it feels like my Maverick remembers that setting between drives. But the auto start stop when I come to a stop feature of turn off the engine, you know, at a stoplight, mm -hmm. that has to be toggled every single time I start the car. And like, there's just been a couple times where I had to like dart out in traffic and like, there's an extra second of waiting for the engine to start and then you floor it, uh, where you're just like, come on, just turn that off, you know, like use it in the drive through and basically nowhere else. But yeah, like, I'm sure I just remember <clears throat> every car I've ever owned. Um, if you go on the forum, someone's made a black box that like auto checks the nav systems, like mm -hmm. press okay for me and then do all these. Uh, extra settings driver settings you know when i start up the car based on what i want and i was like if that comes out i'm first in line for that 
Well, I am uh the the thing I'm bummed about not getting a Maverick on and uh you know, we could we have to save it until you get a few thousand miles under this thing, but knowing you, I I think it's always super fun when you are part of the launch year of anything and yeah. especially trucks and things that are very heavily modified and aftermarketed. Yeah. Uh I bet there's going to be a ton of fun stuff uh coming out for that truck if there is not already so in yeah. future episodes we will <laughs> yeah. we will uh we will uh, yeah we will we'll say like that. the one i was like boy the stereo needs a sub and like and i'm already on youtube looking at stereo shops i've already done like improvements to the audio and then the other thing i'm like this is the only other weird thing about the truck is um hitting the high beams i live out in the sticks so the auto high beams kicks on as soon as i leave my driveway it's weird the high beams do not go much further down the road it's just like all the light you know you know it's like modern bright headlights are kind of like aimed downwards but they're very extremely bright but you don't want to blind anyone i feel like the high beams just like make everything brighter but don't bring up the level temporarily so i'm like uh you know the first time someone wedges an led light bar in the bumper like i'm <laughs> going to buy that because like i need more light for it's surprisingly how mellow its high beams are um but i think I think Ford hit a home run. It's just I feel bad for I think it's the you know, a $20,000 truck that gets 40 miles a gallon and it, you can park it in a city is basically an American dream car and I think they could sell as many as they produce. But when I was at the auto show, I'm walking around, you know, I'm touching a, a Maverick for the first time ever going, "God, I hope the back seats are big." And they're quite bit like for its size, they're ginormous. Um it feels better than like a Chevy Colorado, it feels better than you know, like most mid-sized trucks, it is close, comparable to the rain, the uh, the ridgeline I have. Like I can sit behind myself with the seat where I like it, and I'm six two. Like that's amazing for a compact truck. But um, some, I was like, oh, I didn't get this option. I didn't get. And some guy, this old guy, overheard me and said, "Oh, did you order one too?" And I said, "Yeah, um, I'm getting it next week." And he said, "Oh, that's terrific. I ordered one in November, and they told me November 2022 I would get it." And I went, oh, man, that sucks, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the Maverick in particular. I mean, like, there's lots of cool stuff coming out. There's lots of things I'm interested in. And I have, uh, a you know, unique taste. But uh, the Maverick is one of the coolest vehicles that's come out of cardam in ages. And I really hope, I really, really hope, both because I'm a fan of Ford and their current leadership and what they're trying to do, but also just for cars in general. Uh, I hope they can spin up the manufacturing a lot faster because I feel like I would rather, and, and it's not to be clear. I don't hate a Subaru. I don't hate, I mean, I drive a four wheel drive or all wheel drive, uh, you know, station wagon, like get, get what you want to get. But I just feel like the Maverick, especially if they can keep the prices relatively low is just, the perfect all-around vehicle for most, right? Like if yeah. it was, if this is the wire cutter, I would say the Maverick is the best for most when it comes to like <laughs> it's got four doors, it gets good gas mileage, relatively cheap, and you can throw some crap in the back. Um, so yeah, I'm cheering them on on that one. Like I, I really think that's a good, uh, that's a good one. And if they, the the hybrid, they launch with the hybrid, get good gas mileage. Maybe they do a four by of that at some point. That'd be really cool. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the Maverick dealer inventory within 100 miles of me is as far as I can go. And there's four trucks in like northwestern Oregon. 
and they're most of them are not even actually for sale. yeah it's like estimated prices um i <laughs> it's funny i searched for maverick inventory and i got like people reselling cars with 30 miles on them for 10 grand more than they paid i see holy shit someone's selling a lariat for 42 43 grand with 30 miles on it jesus someone's selling yeah. the like low-end one for 40 grand my god wow yeah it's just like man i wish i wish this is this could be a big hit car if they can meet demand and they're not doing that right now they're i mean yeah i mean nobody is right like yeah ex except for people that have stuff that nobody wants to buy yeah. uh but uh yeah yeah i, I remember I, like when i saw the the tundra trd you know the new um, tundra coming out i was like why are they even announcing it like it's, it's gonna be like a year-long backlog and stuff but i'm already seeing them on the street so it's like toyota's got their shit together or yeah, I, prioritizing it i from what i understand and i mean this news changes every couple of weeks and i don't pay that much attention to it but uh toyota i think is one of the companies and this is i have no idea if this is correct or not but because they are a relatively more primitive product in some ways certainly when it comes to you know, tech features, I guess I would say, mm -hmm. uh, that they haven't been hit by supply chain stuff quite as bad. Uh, from what I understand, the Bronco, I, I don't know if you've seen uh, what the Bronco people call Ice Mountain, uh, which is, I believe, up in Dearborn or Detroit, somewhere up there, uh, wherever the factory is. Oh, they've, no. they've got a lot with, you know, a couple thousand Broncos just sitting on the lot that they can't deliver basically because they're missing one or two chips to yeah. to get something in place and i think it's the weird time where toyota's like you know oh chips like we don't use those like we have we have our own vacuum tube supplier for the tundra that's like you know owned and operated that we've had for 70 years like we're still we're still good there but uh i i i looked into the bronco because i had a moment of uh I, I I've been real weird about the Bronco. I was, I, I was a hundred percent certain I was going to buy one when it was announced. Then I didn't put a down payment on it. And then it came out and I was like, it's too big. It doesn't get good enough gas mileage. Not sure I want it. And then just the last couple of weeks, I was like, well, well, it'd be good for, you know, I could get it for a couple of years. That could be fun. And, uh, I went to go look for them and it's the same thing. Even the entry level ones, people buy them, they put a hundred miles on them and they sell them for 15 grand more. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'll pay a little more. I'll pay yeah. MSRP. That's basically where I'm at. It's like, I'll, I'll pay what you paid for it. I don't mind doing that, but I'm not paying a premium uh, when I've got two perfectly good functioning cars. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the move now, I mean, if anybody's listening to this and going, is, is there a practical shopping advice? That is why I normally come to Stepside. Uh, <laughs> the the move these days, 100%, if you are a person of even modest means, is if there is a vehicle that you have the least amount of interest in when it is announced and they do pre-orders, put the money down on the pre-order. And you yeah. can always get it back. Uh, but these days, a lot of times you can even sell the pre-order, your spot in line to people. But uh, especially with the war going on, there's still a lot of, you know, infrastructure problems in from the pandemic and a lot of supply chain problems. Uh, if you really, really want something and you don't want to pay a ridiculous dealer markup or, uh, you know, somebody's 100 mile used markup, uh, just risk the 100 bucks, which is usually what it is. It's usually 100 bucks. And like, go ahead and put a down payment on it and wait for it to come out. And at least you'll save your spot in line. So that's yeah. that's my hot tip. 
Yeah, I forgot my. Uh, I mean, there's always a hot car. I think about it's, you know, it's coming out six or twelve months away, <clears throat> and you know, the Mavericks. The first time I like, I really watched a Doug Demuro, you know, video of it, and then I you know called up my Ford dealer and like just instantly ordered one. Uh, that that was the website was like basically call your Ford dealer. <laughs> We're an old school company. Do not you know do right. this online. We don't take money from. That was the weirdest thing. They didn't take a single penny from me. Like all the way to the end, it was on their lot before they ever asked for a dime from me. Well, uh, I assumed nice. like, I don't know, shouldn't I give you five hundred bucks like last August? And but uh, my wife has been talking about <laughs> the only minivan she would ever drive in her entire life would be if VW relaunched the microbus like a '60s mm. style. And you know, when '99 rolled around, they made a new Beetle, they made a new Carmen Ghia, but it was too expensive, and they ended up calling it an Audi TT. And then they were going to make a bus, but then like minivans didn't cost 40, 50 grand. And BW is like, we can't do it cheaper than that. So they just killed it. But you've probably seen like 2001 concept, you know, microbus. It's beautiful. So like the EV microbus is coming out March 9th is going to be announced. And like, I will probably put cash on that because my wife has always said, that, like, I, I want to be first in line for, you know, uh, you know, a new, a revamped bus from, from BW. And the uh, electric, and it's electric, and that was cool. And it'll, you know, probably I, be 40. I feel like that will give us lots of stuff to talk about. And I will share my, I will save my why I am not that enthusiastic about VW buses in general story for another time. <laughs> but I'm glad they're finally doing it. I am. Yeah. They're, I, no, I mean, be... they're all terrible in the past. And I know, I know someone has owned every single one of them and has, you know, terrible. <laughs> terrible uh, I, I have, experience I have, but it's an electric skateboard with some crap on top of it how could they screw it up i have never met a happy vw bus owner i'm never yeah. uh, and they'll they'll try to tell you they'll try to tell you oh it's so great in the design <laughs> and it's got so much room inside and it's also doesn't ever run so yeah, like yep. but uh you know god god bless them for doing it but uh, I wanted to to finish up actually with a couple of uh, recommendations for other things for for people to check out. First of sure. all, uh, when you mentioned Doug, Doug's a great guy. I don't know him uh, well. Like we we kind of in, in the Jalopnik universe, you know. I'm sure we were in campfire rooms together or something ten years ago. <laughs> but there was an interview with him, uh, and I and I apologize, I didn't look it up. But if you look up Doug Demuro interview on YouTube, I'm sure it'll come up. It was with a YouTuber that does some sort of like kind of, he's like a car guy, but he also does like personal finance. Or oh something. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. That um, was really cool where he talks about like actual money per video and shit. Yeah. I really enjoyed that video. And I yeah. think it really underlined, you know, Doug's got a funny affectation in his videos and it works and that's <laughs> his brand now. And you know, it's a little goofy, but everybody knows it and he knows it. Um, but it, that, I thought that was a really great video. If you were curious about what it's like to be a car YouTuber and specifically like how Doug runs a business. And I thought it was really cool that he, he got into, to most of that. And then the other thing that I will shout out this week is, uh, two of my favorites from Jalopnik, uh, Jason Torchinsky and David Tracy have left Jalopnik to mm. start, uh, their own new car site called the Autopian. So if you uh, look at it's just a kind of a placeholder. You can put your email in to get on an email list and stuff. Uh, Torchinsky, uh, who is the definition of a minch, like incredibly cool guy, uh, is, you know, an automotive obscura sort of, you know, loves to get into the details on ephemera. 
And, yeah. uh, and I'm sure he's going to go, you know, unstrained from a, <laughs> a, 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 a job that he has to put out, you know, stuff that maybe people will click on. Uh, I think it's, he's going to get even weirder and crazier and get into more strange stuff, which I love. And, uh, David Tracy is, uh, God bless him. Uh, a man consumed by Jeeps and making <laughs> terrible purchase decisions and then yeah. trying to repair them. Uh, 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 some gelatinic friends of, of, of mine and I went over there when I lived in Detroit, went over to David's house. And uh, if you hear rumors of a man that, you know, cleans car parts in his dishwasher and uh, basically sleeps on its couch because there's, you know, a open differential on his bed, like, it is not a myth like that david tracy is that man so the two of them together i think it's going to be a really cool oh, new novel kind of uh sight in the car world and and they're going to do video content do the whole thing i'm really stoked for them like you know there's a million people doing you know here's another extreme video and here's the new veil side you know body kit i got for my million dollar ferrari and like you know God bless them, but uh, to I it makes it makes my heart glad uh, when two real freaks uh, get to go out and do real freak stuff. So check out the Autopian. I think that's going to be real cool. Yeah, I really love Jason's stuff. Uh, you know, those weird wagons and like the electric uh, Chinese thing he had drop shipped to himself is hilarious. The Changli, uh, yeah, yeah, but the. Strange thing about Jalopnik video on YouTube is it's like extremely short, like three minutes, two minutes. And like, I'm always like, dude, I want to see your whole collection. Like take 10, take 20 minutes. It's fine. You know, we don't have commercials. Uh, why was, was there an internal reason for like the crazy short Jalopnik videos? Uh, I mean, you know, I haven't worked at uh, Jalopnik or any of those sites in eight years coming up on something like that um but yeah, it wasn't much of a thing back then well here a lot long story short i don't want to turn this into a media <laughs> podcast but uh let's get nick denton nick denton yeah, <laughs> you know nick denton's here he, he's <laughs> calling in from a umbrella store in budapest uh he uh it really kind of was a nick denton thing like that you know i i Nobody, I would expect listening would know this, but you know, I I was kind of towards I wasn't the first generation of Gawker people, but I was I was like employee eight or ten or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for years we tried to do video stuff, and the long and the short of it is, I think it was some of it was bad luck. Like we would try to start a video department, and but there wasn't a lot of advertising for video, so it was hard to like kind of build a revenue model for the video because video is a just a totally different discipline than than blogging. Uh, and then you know part of the other thing was like didn't just basically the the founder of these sites uh, or, or the company that started these sites uh, just doesn't like video, just never did. <laughs> and so you know that I, I I personally and I'm not the only one that did. I personally had started video programs at gawker media at least twice in my time there uh so that's how many times it had tried to get started and then didn't um and there was sometimes in there that uh there was some really good quality stuff uh mm -hmm. that, that that kotaku the video game site i think especially yeah. did some really good stuff yeah. but it just was never really properly supported and never yeah. funded properly um and i actually you know doug is a doug is a perfect example of that because and he says this he kind of implies it but but a uh, and I mean, it's, he, he did everything right. Like no, no shade on Doug, but like 
Doug started his YouTube channel when he was employed by or freelancing with Auto Jalopnik. No, oh, Jalopnik. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he he was just creating little videos to uh, make alongside uh, <laughs> his blog post. And then we yeah. noticed like, Hey, wait a second. These are like actually popping <laughs> way, off. Yeah. Way too many views for yeah, way more he, than the blog. He yeah, very first wisely. Two... <laughs> yeah. was like, okay, bye Jalopnik. I'm yeah. going to go do this. His myself. first two years of his videos. I mean, I've been watching for whatever, five or six years. His first two years, he'd always mentioned this like obscure auto trader, like blogging, you have to look up his author page, and it was like a tremendous pain in the ass. And I'd always be like, it, "Like this video is so much more than whatever your blog is, dude. Like you are pimping the wrong thing." And like, I think he came to the same conclusion. It was it was a weird time, uh, and I, <laughs> you know, I salute everybody uh, that came through the blogging uh, era and figured out a pretty valuable lesson, which is like you need to just do your own thing and own it yourself and the problem is is that blogging and written word stuff is only ever going to be so profitable and youtube yeah. turned out to be pretty dang profitable pretty quick so uh yeah that's a it's there's no editorial reason why those yeah. videos are short or anything like that it's just sort of kind of how it ended up working out and also and i say this as a writer who has tried to make a lot of video myself uh sometimes being a good blogger does not often, more often than not, being a good blogger does not mean you're going to be good on video or know how to make a good video. Right, so, true. It's uh, a different skill set. It's a different skill set. And I think it just took a while for people to realize uh, that. And now you got, you know, however, 15 years into YouTube or whatever, you've got people that came up within YouTube and in that world who were just excellent at it. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we should wrap up. You don't have any recommendations since I didn't even tell you I was going to do recommendations? Uh, yeah, no. I looked at that. my recent Red Watch library. Not a big deal. Although I see Doug DeMuro has just reviewed the LX600 Lexus big you know, um, uh, Land Cruiser. You know, it's only available in America. And at the auto show, uh, Lexus was there. And uh, the 460 GX, like the current 2022 model, which finally has CarPlay this year, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, no Toyota. That thing is so much bigger inside than the like hundred plus thousand dollar LX six hundreds they had parked next to it. A friend is actually searching for both. He's like a old dad, and he's like, I don't want a crappy Jeep anymore. I think I'm finally ready for like a luxury, but real off roader, like body on frame. I've been looking at the LX, you know, line forever. Twenty twenty two, finally get CarPlay and get the new world design and everything. And we get inside, and it's like the back seat shorter. The front seats, like the dash is bigger. And it just felt claustrophobic compared to the um, GX460, which is like an $80,000, you know, mm -hmm. super nice. Smaller, smaller physically on the outside, way bigger on the inside. It was bizarre. I have, I have not seen one in real life. Uh, I will say that I am warming up to the crazy Cylon front end uh, of the <laughs> Lexus iteration. But, the, the, but... I keep calling it the fuck it, let's do five blades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely that vibe. Uh, but I would be totally down uh, to do a, a, a Land Cruiser episode uh, <laughs> because I am a former Land Cruiser owner. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, and uh, and the new one's coming out. It's 
it, maybe it's the, maybe they're good. There's always a thing with Land Cruiser when the new one comes out and people say, this is the one that ruined it. And then five years <laughs> later, people are doing crazy stuff with them. And they're like, it looks, yeah, the know. new one looks great. It's just, it's only available as a $105,000 base model here. Yeah. Well, that's 2022, <laughs> baby. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for uh, sticking with us and uh, see you around. All right. See ya. <laughs>